Hey, everybody, what's up? This is one of those messages I have to leave at the very beginning of the show for odd reasons. Um, if you have young, impressionable minds or children around, turn this episode off. This is not one that you want to play with kids around. If you are easily offended, turn this episode off. I need to give a big thank you to Stephanie Quick for coming on here and handling the hosting responsibilities this week, as I more or less just hit the mute button on my microphone, sit back, drink, and try to keep myself from cracking up or my jaw from bouncing off of my desktop. We interview Alan Greenfield this week. Alan Greenfield has been referred to by one of our listeners as a loose cannon who is just getting looser, and that is a very accurate description. Stephanie brings him onto the show, and they talk deeply about the topic of sex magic. That's one of Stephanie's things. Um, for whatever reason, I keep getting drug into this sex magic stuff, and it's not something that I do, but sure. So she said she was going to interview Alan, and I said, well, why don't you just come on here and do it on our show, you know, and we'll make a thing of it. I had never really heard any interviews with Alan before, except for right before we did the this show. I went over and listened to him on Conspiranormal, and boy, I had no idea what the hell we were getting ourselves into. So uh, yeah, this this is a pretty nutty show. Alan's audio was a little weird. I did the best I could to try to clean it up. Myself and Stephanie sound fine, but Alan was recording off of a laptop microphone, so his gets a little wonky at times. I apologize. I did the best I could to try to clean it up. Having said all of that, let's jump into the show, and uh, yeah, buckle up. This is a crazy ride. Hello? It's all around us. So everybody, welcome back. For me, this is my second show in two days. Um, for you guys, it's probably been a week or two or something like that. But last night, I just did the MUFON show with uh, Patrick at Almost Educational. And then a little while ago, you contacted me. This is Stephanie Quick is with me tonight. Say hello, Steph. Hi. <laughs> hello, Steph. How are you? <laughs> it's been a little while since I've had you on here. And um, most people, I think, if you're if you're in the Project Archivist community on Facebook and, and you listen to a lot of the shows that we're associated with, a lot of people probably know who you are. If not, you are... You are a studier of the esoteric. You've got a blog. Uh, you have a YouTube channel as well, I believe. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have been uh, having some things up on YouTube. So yeah. And it's funny because when I back and I first met you, we you, you write these like what? I'll send you a message, and then you'll send back like a book <laughs> on Messenger. <laughs> like you are very well spoken, very very rich in your knowledge and things, and you're always a pleasure to talk to, and you're always somebody to have around. And I remember oh. for the longest time. I'd be like, you need to do a podcast. We need to do a podcast together. And you're like, no, I can't. I don't think so. And then I got you on, and then you sh showed up someplace else, and you showed up someplace else. So your wings have really spread. So oh. 
you contacted me and said, hey, I'm going to be talking to Alan Greenfield pretty soon. Um, he is very deep and rich into the esoteric and the occult, uh, practitioner of magic, uh, many other things. And he said, I'm going to do this on my thing. I said, no, 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 no. Why don't we do this on my show? Why don't you come on my show and you can interview him on my show and then I'll sit back and drink mead and I'll give full control of everything over to you and I'll just let things go and I'll, I'll pipe in every once in a while. And you said, yeah, let's do this. And then you found a date and we set it all up and now here we are about to interview <laughs> Alan Greenfield. What are we going to be talking to him about tonight? We are going to be talking to Alan Greenfield about sex magic, and he has uh, assured me in our private communications that uh, he wants to go uh, the whole hog, really get down on the uh, all the. In, uh, okay, I'm I'm just going to get it out of the way. He wants to go into all the ins and outs of sex magic. Okay. Yeah, this is this is weird for me because I've I've t- discussed this with you and I've discussed it with Soraya. This is not something that I do or I am into in any way, shape, or form. Um, and for whatever reason, I just keep getting pulled back towards this topic in some very strange and unusual way. So mm. I know very little about all of this. The last time I talked about this, I was on Where Did the Road Go? Um, oh, God, it was last July, I believe it was. And I, I, I went up to uh, Soraya's studio. So, and you're like, yeah, let's do this. And I said, well, what a fitting topic for you. <laughs> so <laughs> that come out, that came out very wrong. But um, um, I'm going to be childish well, and juvenile here and say, are we going to be sending any dick pics tonight or anything like that? <laughs> You'll be. Actually, no, no, I no. think this whole, this whole thing got uh, started when you were, I was uh, speaking with uh, Alan and in, in about talking with him because I've, um, I've had an interest in uh, sex and the esoteric uh, since I was pretty young, and especially in my early 30s. I had a lot of experiences where I could see how, um, you know, these real complicated relationships that, that you hear about where you have uh, people where, let's say, they're involved in a relationship with some type of a discarnate entity, but it's very sexual and it involves um, out-of-body experiences, mystical revelation, um, esoteric teachings and transmissions. I had a number of experiences which were not that, but that taken together, I could see how that exactly how that type of thing would be accomplished. So it uh, became more interesting to me. And then as well, I was involved in some groups and one in particular with some uh, Tibetan Rinpoche that I was living in his uh, meditation center for a couple, three years. And um, he was approaching female practitioners on the dream plane and trying to uh, pressure them into having sex with him in secret um, so that they could get like good karma and stuff. But it was Uh just like this, yes, sleazy, abusive thing. So I became um, very interested in how as well, these kind of uh, astral or ghost sex things could happen, but also how can regular people um, work with these energies in an esoteric form, um, practice sex magic or these type of uh, practices with, with other people, but with avoiding all the, uh, you know, BS that is out there and the dangerous, abusive stuff. So, yeah, because this anyway. is something that, if mm-hmm. you, in all seriousness, I mean, this is something that people can get sucked into very easily for the wrong reasons and be taken advantage of. 
And yes. that is, you know, this is obviously the darker side of it. You had this happen. You have this happen in cults all the time. You had the one girl who was on Smallville who was part of that cult, and they, they would burn the insignias yes. into their arms and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a right way to do this, if you will, and a very wrong way to do this, if you will. So, you know, I guess uh, that's where you want to, you know, discuss and take those things tonight. There is something really cool that I like about Alan. We have this sh- similar view. Th- this guy, and I'm going to bring it up to him, he's been a part of and kicked out of or left pretty much every major order of esotericism <laughs> that there is, um, with good reason. And he believes in this thing called the Free Illuminatist Movement, which is basically don't join an organization. Go and find this stuff on your own. Don't go out and pay money to become a part of the Rosicrucians. Don't go out and join these organizations and, and be taken advantage of or whatever. All of this information is out there. And if it's not, he puts it out there, uh, much to the dismay of a lot of these organizations. But um, And this is something I'm going to try to bring up with him as well, because I, I do have a lot of respect for him for doing that. And I, I, I like the idea of... Um, there's this old hacker adage from the 80s, and there was a slogan that says, information wants to be free. And that doesn't mean free yeah. of charge. It means information wants to be out into the world, and it wants to be available. And this yes. person has that mindset, and I really enjoy that about him. So, And he's a good storyteller. He's got a lot of funny stories, and the way that he talks about stuff, he's very humorous. He's got that... Uh, that oh, he's a scream. Yeah, he's yeah. got that wizened sage, but also very humorous about what he talks about and what he does. He's just somebody who's been around for a long time and I love having storytellers on the show that will you know tell their tell their history and things like that and bring people to these new these new ideas and things so listeners this show may get very out there and very trippy it may not be for everybody this isn't something that we normally do and uh, but if you're gonna dive deep into this stuff it's dive as deep as you can and try to get as much as you can out of it so this might not be an episode for everybody as I always say if it's not something for you turn it off come back next week and we'll have something completely different so <laughs> Oh, also, I just wanted to mention in case uh, people are uh, concerned about this or you have someone very young or whatever, uh, the idea is that we'll be speaking explicitly about sexual practices. Yes, absolutely. Um, but then again, so, most people that listen to the show are, are we're pretty much known for penis and fart jokes anyways. Yeah. I'm not going to be doing a lot of that tonight. I legitimately will not, not be doing a lot, a lot of so. uh, Not really. I mean, this is, this is you know, we're approaching this topic as serious as we can. Yes, I will have my humor around me, but I'm not going to be sitting around making dick and fart jokes all night on this one. I promise. Yeah. So, oh. um, I think that's pretty much it. And uh, we're just waiting for him to jump on and then we'll jump into the interview. So is, is that it? You got anything else you want to say before we jump into this? No, that sounds good. So we'll see you guys at the other side. Yay. You didn't hear a word he said, did you? Oh, I guess not. What'd he say? I hate to be a buzzkill, but he said that your house is on health graves and they're pissed off. All right, fine. We'll do that. Uh, the blood is going to keep flowing. Unless, uh... Unless Carl pays tribute to the elven elders in space. I'll do it. What, what do I do? You must give up yourself to the great red ape. Okay. How much? Sexually. Wonderful. Look, I know it's been a while, right? But, uh, I'm not gonna get humped. By a giant red gorilla in space, okay? No, thank you. All right, so tonight we have with us Stephanie Quick and Alan Greenfield. Well, first off, um, as I was saying before we started talking to you, you have been a member of and quit or left pretty much every form of esoteric magical order there is out there. Um, Not true. I deny that. 
I've only been a member of two initiatory societies. The first was that we the know of. South of America. That's all. That's it. I'm not. I'm not a joiner. I'm a creator and <laughs> pilot and uh, uh, nuclear physicist, like Stanford Friedman. He rests. I mean, he. you are also a big supporter of the Free Illuminist Movement, which is something that... It's a movement, not an organization. There's no corporate existence of free Illuminism. Everybody, free Illuminism is free, really. You know, they no charges, no dogma, no, uh, no bosses, pretty much just a communion of people who support one another. In other words, it's quasi-anarchistic, but uh, I hope nobody's listening that gets scared by No, that's fine. But this is an organization. Well, well, we won't call it an organization. This is a movement that, correct me if I'm wrong, believes in, like, don't go join an organization. Go out and find the information for yourself. It's all out there, correct? Uh, well, we help one another. There's no, no excuse for any kind of uh, uh, working relationship with people other than to be mutually supportive and, and helpful and maybe steer people away from things that are dangerous and uh, there's that Mirox 23 biz thing that I can't get rid of hold on, okay it's gone it'll be back though it doesn't do it, it just pops up on my uh, on my screen within about 20 times a day I have tried to assassinate it, I'm not paranoid about it or anything but let's face it, I'm ready for it <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steph. Uh, Steph, where are you taking us tonight? You guys go ahead, and I'm just going to sit back and let her run the show, and I'll jump in every once in a while if I've got some questions or so forth. But it is an honor to have you here. So I'm just going to sit back here and drink my watermelon mead and let you guys have at it. Okay. Wow. Hi, Ellen. How you doing? <laughs> I, I am. How are you doing? I'm doing too. Um, so first of all, I really want to thank you for uh, agreeing to uh, speak with us tonight. Um, let's see. I have you been uh, down two thousand dollars. How could it? <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> maybe twelve hundred. Um, so you've been uh, the past, uh, especially a couple years, two or three years. I've been uh, very interested in looking at sex magic personally. Um, from the as from a couple of different aspects. One is that, um, as I was telling Rojan in the intro, I was involved in some esoteric groups where there was a, a kind of sexual skeeviness and manipulation and abuse going on, and it would, took place through uh, occult memes. Yeah. Yes. Well, in my instance, I was living with a, a Tibetan Rinpoche in his meditation center. And as it turned out, he was approaching uh, women's students on the dream plane to get them to consent to secret sex. Um, and then they were supposed again to get like this great karma or something. Right. Uh, so that's yeah. That's an old, so, old story. I've told it myself. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, so this type of, I mean, everyone, so I, this is terrible. I'm searching for words. It's awful. Rojan knows this about me. I'm very much this way. So I'm concerned about that, not just kind of the regular stuff, because people are like, oh, Colt, you got to watch out. They're going to try and take your money or they're going to try and back you into a corner and, you know, force themselves on you. It's like, but what about 
the person that goes there and suddenly you're confronted with this person who's a lot more adept than you are on the dream plane, right? And they're going to try do their best to take advantage of you in a sphere in which, you know, you're completely at a disadvantage. Also, if you start talking about it, you know, who's going to believe you? What do you do to protect yourself? So those type of issues, not just the kind of uh, mundane world stuff, but the occult abuses too. Um, and I was also interested because I started to have a lot of experiences when you're around a lot of people who are more adept and they're meditating and stuff. Uh, you can end up having these experiences of, you know, like uh, erotic empathy or telepathic connection Um you know, they're shape-shifting into birds and showing up at your work, you know, all these weird experiences um, that happen spontaneously. And so I was thinking, well, maybe sex magic, when you're trying to cultivate these type of practices more deliberately, um, could shed light on these spontaneous experiences. Because I, I was, especially at that time in my life, I was thinking, I really wish someone would have said something about this. But of course, I was too mortified and embarrassed to say anything myself. Until recently. Um, uh, well, you're saying it now, and it needs to be said because uh, yes. women are more victimized by it than men, although I've been a victim of it myself. So Yeah, anyone, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's there, and I wouldn't even mention it except that if, if the problem isn't sexuality or sex magic per se, it's hierarchy. If you're in yes. a hierarchical organization, whatever it is, there's somebody who is the grand guru or the or the secret chief or whatever they, they claim to be. And if you are studying with them and they are unscrupulous, as is most often the case, because famously referring to religion, uh, Lord Acton said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And if you are... And Vitam, you know, for life, uh, a guru, uh, uh, um, supreme and most holy king or queen, yeah. or, uh, you're going to get some types of abuse, whether it's sexual or otherwise. But sexual abuse, of course, is more intrusive. But in my days with that, uh, 20 years, actually, with that ancient order of antiquity, I saw more abuse that I care to even mention. Even when I was a, a lodge master, I, I would try to reason with my, you know, droogies, my public, whatever you want to call them. I'd say, look, we have a disproportionate number of men, disproportionate number of white men. What are you going to do if you say coming in the door, every woman that walks in, you go, blah, blah. Salivate and hey, babe, you're a real thing. That's going to chase off half of them, and the other half are going to be uh, strippers. And we were known as the stripper lodge, actually. So uh, that was fine. I mean, I I got into it through a stripper, but that's neither here nor there. Um, who I was married. I've been married to practically everybody, <laughs> one time or another. So what the heck? Uh, so when I they eventually made me uh, what I called a sheriff. I said, my qualifications are mostly of a magical nature. So what do they do? They make me a secretary for correspondence and a sheriff. And at the same time, synchronously, 
uh, one of the members of one of the local bodies worked security for, for one of the airlines. I'm not going to identify which one. One that headquarters here in Atlanta, Georgia, U.S. of A. Anyway, she had one of those passes that you could be on standby for any flight anywhere, no cost. And so I was told, well, you have the whole country to be an inspector general of. Now, I had seen that ancient Danny Kaye movie, The Inspector General, so I knew that was an important thing. I'm the sheriff. So I went to various places and it was... Uh, it was eye-opening, eyes wide shut, because a lot of people were, okay, I'm gonna get uh, not always, and not and everyone, super, super but even the bodies that were run by women who, who had disproportionate numbers of uh, abuses of one sort or another, and those that were run by men, God, I, uh, the stories <laughs> I could tell if I could prove them. And I duly reported what was going on on my own watch, not, you know, secondhand things. But uh, I even, uh, I had, in those days, I was in favor, so I uh, rewrote some of the rule book. But the rule book doesn't matter. They don't even read it. Uh, you know, they, uh, we don't have drugs on the premises. Yeah, well, I wrote it, well, we're not against or for drugs, but not on the ancient order of antiquities time. So they came down, that, that's, you know, black and white in their manual of that period. I, they may have taken it out. Let's see, they've taken a lot of my stuff out, except they can't take it out of their newsletter because, you know, like it's in print and all that. Uh, in any case, they, they hit on this, well, if you're going to do drugs, walk around the block. Do them around the block and make the circuit around the block. Come back into the lodge and it's okay. So I thought that was not my intent. My intent was off premises is off premises. If you don't, if you don't want to get in trouble, don't get in trouble. However, there were rapes, there were uh, pressures, relationships. It was really, really bad. Well, in that particular order, you could argue they asked for it because their big calling cards are a naked priestess on an altar, which, notice the priest is fully robed. Uh, exactly. And that's, that's a, actually, that is something to watch out for that you're talking about there, which is, um, you know, the dangers of hierarchy is that there is someone who has the power, someone who is important, and someone who doesn't have the power and who is just not important and doesn't have any agency. And if one person is naked and another person is not, you can guess who has the power, who has the agency. With an and, audience at that, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. I took, up to a certain point, I took my kids to this... Uh, open ritual that they did. They eventually frowned on kids coming. But I remember that the uh, person who was their mother, I'm trying to be really careful here, their their birth mother, not the, the woman that raised them. Uh, one of my sons did this fantastic double take. They opened the curtain and there's mom, naked as a jaybird. And he goes, whoa! <laughs> and then he went back to being the uh, very cool customer that 
that he is. But I thought, oh, well, this says it all because the uh, adults in the room are also doing that, but they're, you know, being more restrained about it. Like, wow, wow, maybe I should join this club and mm-hmm. shell out my uh, $20, $40, $60, $80 to become enlightened, right? Enlightened mm-hmm. bullshit. They don't know. They don't know anything that P.B. Randolph didn't know 150 years ago. So can, can I ask you, in this particular organization, um, were there uh, explicitly uh, sexual rituals among the members? Are there? <laughs> no, there are not. What okay. there are are unofficial ones all the time. I mean, that's... Yeah. Now, again, I'm not saying that's universal, but the fact is if the draw is sex and drugs, and this is mm-hmm. an organization that owes its ancient existence to the ancient and long-dead Aleister Crowley, who had a... Rep- who had a uh, he was uh, known for these things, yes. Yes, he was known <laughs> for drugs. First book I read by him had this psychedelic cover, and it was called The Herb Dangerous. Edited by Israel Regardi, who I can't imagine him ever having had anything sexual going on in his life whatsoever. <laughs> I, I knew him slightly. I didn't know Crowley, though. I knew Crowley mm-hmm. through him, and I can tell you that the man, uh, man nor woman, was safe from, from his clutches. I even know people that went to the island that Mussolini expelled him from. Mm-hmm. that went there to have sex there in the ruins of this uh, uh, Kefalu uh, place. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, that's not what it's all about. That's not what sexual magic is all about. You know, listening to you reminds me of just how mm-hmm. boring my life actually is. I just want to put that out there. So, um, yeah, yeah well, carry on. An organization, and I always had a, how shall I put it, a female accompany me. That is, I've been married four times, so three of the four were, were members, one before me. In fact, I got in to try and save a marriage. But the truth is, you come in with with somebody, they get abused, and you have to like it. Uh, and That's I, horrible. I took to saying things like... Uh, if you wanted to have a swingers club, why not just have a swingers club? There's lots of that in Atlanta. I can speak of vaguely personal knowledge, but uh, that's not what they do. They they put it in these terms of the rituals are suggestive of that, and it's suggested that if you if you spend enough money and time and devotion and devotion does include favors. Um, you will learn the uh, ultimate secret. But the ultimate secret, all you have to do is get a copy of my old book from Looking Glass Press, which I, by the way, don't get any more royalties on, so that's that's not a plug. If I plug, it'll be for the Complete Secret Cypher of Euphonauts, or God never does the same thing twice. <laughs> but I'll plug the same thing twice, three times, four times. <laughs> so it's okay to go out and pirate that book, then, is what you're saying. That I am God. Or so, Alan, I want to ask you, 
at what point do you, did you start um, becoming interested in sex magic and how did you understand it at that point? And when did you begin to practice? Did, were you practicing alone or with someone else? Well, I was 12 or 13, so it was alone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, what happened was, uh, it, it's a kind of interesting story. I got interested in a big way at the same time in the occult in ufology and all of the other uh, high weirdness things at the same time. And uh, there was this outfit called University Books, which anything that wasn't nailed down by copyright that had anything to do with the occult, they, they reprinted. And one of the first books I read was uh, by a guy named Garma C.C. Chang on the secrets of tibetan yoga which is all about sex magic and of course actual tantra uh that is a part of it but that's that's way down the line and more about part of the pre-raj hindu than it is part of the tibetan it's mostly ethereal you meditate and you reach this point where you can orgasm without expelling semen and it's supposed to do these marvelous things actually what that causes is a condition technically known in tibetan as blue ball but bikini <laughs> 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 uh, just just doesn't you know anyway the point is the one thing that all these things have in common and i've taken a good look at it because i took an interest early on in, in cults, different cults, not because I wanted to join them, but because I wanted to see what to avoid. And uh, uh, I don't want to say they all. Let's just say many of them. If someone has power over you, it's going to be abused, and it's going to be abused in a sexual way. So I don't encourage people to be part of that. I think there are no gurus. I mean, people should take it from Krishnamurti, who I don't think, I never heard a breathless scandal about him. He said, organizations are baloney. You're wasting your time. You need to every die to the day every day and make the new day a better day and he said that on and on and on so i went out to see him and he dropped it so you may take that as a, but all the others uh, um what was his name franklin jones was that his name before he became a guru he had this cult and then somewhere along the line he starts inviting people into his private setting. Adi Da, that was that was what he changed his name to, and he's da. one of those people. John, yeah, that guy. Yes, he is a. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he's, yeah, he's one of the people that, if you want to look at an example of an abusive quote guru unquote, yeah. I can't tell you whether his ritualistic approach. Did people good or did people harm? I can tell you that he abused the privilege. And it's as simple as that. People trusted him for years before that became a part of the routine. It's like uh, 
uh, uh, I keep. I'm, it's good that I'm forgetting their names. The dead ones, you know, the uh, um, the, the, the guy that had the antelope organ thing, and the, the, the bought all the Mercedes. No, I'm sorry, Rolls Royces, one after another. He had over a hundred, but he kept saying, "Oh, I'm in a constant state of orgasm." But yeah. tells me, what was his name? The heart, the heart. Oh, no, I, it, it's terrible because I lived in the uh, East Bay, uh, just south of Berkeley at the time that it was really booming in Berkeley, and those people were everywhere in those, you know. And I can't oh, remember yeah, his they name. Did a special about them too. I can't remember what it was. Um, I had a close friend who was part of that. Rajneesh, that was his name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Bhagwan. Yes. Oh dear. God. Yep. Bhagwan yep. Shri, which means you know. Ex- Extra, extra important, Rajneesh. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Rajneesh means, but I <laughs> speak Portuguese. All right. mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't. Um, everything about his group suggests that it was that same thing. And I had a very good friend. He like to think he's still a friend. He's now a PhD in some scientific career, and I'm not going to mention his name, he played a big role in the development of our, our work on Arabia Mountain, which had no leaders, it just had questers. Uh, he's the one that turned into the great god Pan with too many mushrooms. That was the, uh, you take a mountain made largely of quartz and mica and granite, and you take a bunch of mushrooms things and start the evening out with a really good orator uh, reciting the hymn to Pan, you're going to get some results. And uh, it took three strong men and me restraining this guy from raping my then girlfriend, future wife. Of course, it became easier when she joined the ancient order of antiquities since the first thing that she was told, oh, well, what you need to do while you're waiting to be initiated is, see, we have these two rituals that we do. One is the star sapphire, which secretly, secretly is a sex magic ritual. And the other mm-hmm. is the star ruby, which uh, you have to be, how do we say, on the rag in a non-vulgar way. You have to be menstruating. <laughs> Flying Baker. Wow. <laughs> That's actually one of my favorite words for it. Because, you know, the uh, ships, they, they put up the uh, flags to spell out uh, semaphore or whatever it is. I wow. guess in the World War II, the guys would have shore leave. And then uh, the flag for the letter B is completely red. So they ask if they got lucky or not. And you say, oh, no, she was Flying Baker's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which always was funny. Yeah, yeah well, the point is, he did both rituals and told me about it. I mean, and he was startled when she said in passing to the lodge, this is, of course, the lodge master, who was a very good ritualist, but he was, uh, he enjoyed his position. Yeah. And eventually, uh, I mean, that the the parties were orgies, and the rituals were rituals. I mean, I can recite them uh, from memory since I was made to memorize them. They're, none of them are overtly sexual, uh, but they're suggestive. And before and after the rituals, there were parties, and eventually got around to I was on the verge of being 
the next uh, CEO of the then local corporation of this illustrious order of antiquity. Mm-hmm. And as I'm signing the documents, the outgoing lodge master, who had not yet relinquished, said, uh, let me talk to you in the other room, Alan. And he hands me this piece of paper, which, by the way, I still have. It's stuck in my magical diary. If I die, get control of it. You won't be able to read it. My handwriting is abominable. <laughs> he typed it out, uh, basically saying uh, that he wanted to have uh, sexual relations with me and my then wife at the same time. And I, I talked to her and I said, well, first I talked to him and I said, uh, sir, I'm straight. I don't really think I could get it up with you. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Uh, but uh, we did the thing, and it was one of the most degrading things I've ever been through. And what I, what I said to my then wife uh, was... You know, the fact that I'm signing to be the CEO of the local corporation and the future lodge master on the same day that he takes me aside and gives me this, that clearly is connected. And I'm going to keep this, uh, you know, he didn't sign it, but it does. it is from his telltale uh, primitive computer of that time. This is like the 1980s. Uh, yeah. So I still have that, and I, 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 th- that's not one of the things that I've gone out of my way to say because it's embarrassing and abusive, and was degrading. And I took a shower, and you know, and I got the job, you know. But that's the story in America, isn't it? You know, you get the job or you get uh, thrown out, and it's uh, uh, it's it's bad, and it gives- it is real sexual magic, which I consider sacred, uh, it, it, it renders it profane. And that's the one thing you really, really don't want to happen with anything anything of a sexual nature that becomes like that is, um, is degraded. And because what you're describing is so hierarchical and abusive and manipulative and transactional and not open. And I, I agree with you. It's funny because um, how, a while back, it was months ago, people were talking about chastity on Twitter and I, ju- I just saw it in passing, but I was thinking people, especially these days, there's a lot of porn, there's a lot of sex used to sell things and, and people have kind of, uh, commercialized and, and made sex mundane in many ways. And, um, you know, that you, you, people get put down for not participating in that or the whole idea of chastity is like, Oh, what are you approved? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's just, you want to, to honor your partner and the act by make, by having a sacred, beautiful relationship and not, just getting involved in all this stuff. I mean, everyone, you know, if you just, you know, have a hot night out that you get carried away or, I mean, that's one thing, but, but these deliberately cold hearted, calculated transactional, it's just, to me, it's really the opposite of what sex and love should be. Cause I do believe that love comes into it, that, that this, oh, it's purely it can't predatory. be romantic love. It's mm-hmm. purely predatory. Mm-hmm. It's that's 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 entirely what this yeah. is is purely predatory under the guise of yeah. 
of magic. But it's like he said, if that's if if, if that's what you wanted to do, there are ways you can go out and do that without having to do this kind of stuff. So on top of that, there's the there's the overlying context of power over a person. It's very rapey, yes. and that's that's what it comes yeah. down to. So yeah, at the same yeah. time, it, it cheapens it that poor. It's non-consensual, but it is coerced. And I don't. Yes. I, I'm not a Me Too person, and I'm appalled at you know uh, the purity tests that are, are attached to people because they sniff hairspray or something. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, 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 there's a reason that hairspray smells good, <laughs> presumably because you want it to be smelled. But that's that's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who has direct power over you setting a very poor example for the membership, some of whom are going to get involved, particularly when there's a name for it uh, 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 that sounds magical, and it may be. I mean, in in Hindu Tantra, there was this ritual where you were supposed to violate all of the rules of the Hindu religion. And I get that. That's uh, antinomian and Antinomianism has its place, but its place is not to be something that satisfies the people in the power structure and sets an example for the people not in the power structure who are told, well, if you'll only go on to the next degree, you will find the inner secret where they tell you, well, not to diminish the degree that you've just taken and the emptiness in your wallet, but the next <laughs> degree is a sublime degree. And I'm only paraphrasing slightly there. I don't feel any obligation. I mean, it's not not like everybody that goes into it goes into it with uh, ulterior motives, but it, it's corrupting. And yeah. it's corrupting in several ways. One is uh, uh, it happens in a purely non-sexual context. A guy asked me today, a guy that I have a lot of, uh, of respect for, uh, he said, uh, it's too bad I live in a remote place because uh, if you could consecrate me, I'd have new wallpaper and I need new wallpaper. And I said, well, I don't want you to, that term is widely used in the ancient order of antiquity uh, they give you wallpaper nicely printed from a nice, but you're not supposed to display it. But of course, if it's pretty and you get a frame, it's people do. But the, that isn't what it's about. That's not a warrant for anything. I, I issue charters to local bodies because I feel that's part of my burden. But it's not meant to be the thing itself. It's like if you are a a surgeon and have your degrees up on the wall of your office, that's saying, I know how to cut you open and successfully do whatever it is you need done. And if they don't have that, it's probably a good idea to find another physician. But um, in fact, it's a very good idea. In fact, it's mandatory if you want to. Yes, it's illegal (laughs) to not. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's not the actual, it's not their experience, it's not that piece of paper on the wall. Exactly. Exactly. So when did you start to have experiences that you would consider to be, uh, how do I want to say, actual sexual, magical, or mystical experiences, as opposed to, you know, these kind of transactional, awful things? 
oh, well, the awful things came much later. I mean, because mm-hmm. I was, you know, trying to puzzle out, well, what does this mean? Because the language of some of this stuff is very, way too ethereal. You know, I mean, Rigardi's attempt to describe the uh, mass of the Holy Ghost, which is precisely what uh, uh, what uh, P.B. Randolph was talking about a hundred years before. But you wouldn't know it. Randolph was very plain-spoken, and Rigardi was a very inhibited person, I gather. And uh, so he describes it in terms that unless you already knew what he was talking about, you wouldn't know what he was talking about, because he's, uh, the rest of my chapters are straightforward, but this chapter has to be said in a of necessity. Well, he was writing that in the 1930s. I guess he didn't, you know, he was a uh, chiropractor. I mean, he and chiropractic was not all that respectful back then. He uh, he was probably keeping uh, a lid on something that back then would probably have caused him some problems. Um, yeah, there's... You know, I mean, they had obscenity laws back then, and people were prosecuted. Um, this is much earlier than him, but um, in the, around the turn of the previous century, Idocratic was uh, uh, thrown into the workhouse but she was prosecuted by Alfred Comstock because she was distributing pamphlets that, you know, talked about um, the marriage night, you know, just like sex advice for married couples. Um, and she was very high-minded about it, very Christian and spiritually oriented, but she was also very plain-spoken. And she, yeah, she ended up um, getting thrown into jail in the work workhouse, which is horrible, awful conditions. And um, Comstock came after her again. Actually, she was um, defended in court by Clarence Darrow, but she was thrown into, uh, she, Comstock came after her again to prosecute her again. She ended up committing suicide rather than go back to jail. So, and that was about 1900. So this is only 30 years later, and they still had all these obscenity laws. So while I understand it's frustrating that people wouldn't speak plainly, but you can see why people wouldn't, because people got in really bad trouble for it. So, But now, thankfully, you know, we're able to speak more plainly, plainly about these things. But um, Yeah, but this is probably the first time I've done any on-the-record stuff. You know, I mean, I've spoken about this in person. But this is not what people ask about, and if they did, I'd probably give it, I would make a judgment about the context. I don't want to chase people away, because uh, there are still sexual taboos. In fact, in my little forbidden book, uh, uh, called The True Quest for the Holy Grail, which is, I don't even know where my copy is, but, uh, and there were only... At the time, I thought, well, I'm only going to hand deliver it free for nothing, signed and numbered to initiates. Most of the people I gave it to, I would say, I was being very premature in my personal evaluation of <laughs> their initiation. But nevertheless, I, said, I, I, I had an insight when I was writing about personal experience, and I said, there was a golden period that no one at the time recognized as being a golden period between the first distribution of the birth control pill and the appearance of AIDS as a killer disease as as it was first considered to be. A 20-year period where all things were possible and too many things were done. 
And uh, I know a lot of people of a certain age who have what I call 70s amnesia, where they did all kinds of shit. <laughs> and yep. they don't remember it at all. In fact, they're, they tend to be very right-wing and inhibited. And, oh, I would never take part in something like that. You know, the people that were in the cocaine suites at the Limelight, which was the local... Uh, well, you live on the West Coast, so I guess everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I graduated from high school in 1980, and I was in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And someone was just asking me about this uh, yesterday, about, about the 70s. And, um, yeah, it was very different. I remember in the 90s late 90s and I'd meet younger people and they just seemed so prudish because back back in the 70s the 80s I mean it was just like I said there was birth control pill there was nothing that you could catch that couldn't be cured right with antibiotics or something although herpes was just starting to get on the scene and that it was not uh it's not fatal but people didn't want to catch it so that was a little bit but yeah it was a very different time and i think like you said there ended up being a big kind of overreaction and consequent as far as a lot of pressure for people to just like say okay there's no consequences now you know you can get an abortion you know you can have birth control you can take a pill if you get sick so what are your objections to having sex with me of course people should know that no one is entitled to have, you know, other people have sex with them. It's completely up to them. The, just if someone says no, that should basically be it. Because you're not entitled to have anyone else have sex with you. Well, you know, maybe we're, you know. On, on paper, there's mm -hmm. a concept called magical chastity. And what mm -hmm. magical chastity means, it, it has a double meaning, but what it means is that one only indulges the fierce power that is associated with sexuality for magical purposes and never for any other purposes except maybe procreation. And that may sound like, oh, well, once a year. No, no, that could be every day. It's just that it has to be in that context. And uh, while I, uh, you know, honor that more in the breach than I do in practice, nevertheless, <laughs> I respect it because I, I have had periods in my life where I have practiced magical chastity. And it renders that which is sacred clearly sacred because it's for those purposes and that ideal. And you basically, you, you get out of it what sexual magic claims that you get out of it, as opposed to when sex magic becomes an industrial level thing. It's the same thing with the five years I spent working for the Psychic Friends Network, and I discovered doing the graveyard shift with, I think I counted 3,000 clients that I logged on in that time. You can't do it on cue. Yeah, it has to be inspired. Otherwise, yes. you're 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 grasping at it. And uh, I think I maybe did my clients a lot of good, but half of it wasn't psychic. Half of it was were questions that weren't amenable to psychic uh, uh, work. Um, uh, people that were suicidal, I had a procedure for that, but I, I didn't follow the procedure. We had a separate dedicated phone line to call 911. I thought that was the worst thing you could do to somebody who just told you they're sitting on the ledge debating. 
So I talked them down, so they got one more night out of it. But the point is, none of these important mystical qualities are assembly line. That's an American notion. It's not a, or a Chinese notion these days. It's not, not the way any kind of sacred magical system could possibly operate in. It's the great era, uh, error, Southern, pardon me, no R's. <laughs> R's are very hard for us. <laughs> and y'all just have to indulge it because I was born in Georgia, raised in Georgia, but I'm not going to die in Georgia at home. <laughs> <laughs> So, Alan, when you, um, I'm going to, uh, let's see here. I'm going to mumble and fumble for words for a minute here. Uh, so when you were going through your period of magical chastity, first of all, this reminds me very much of um, Tibetan Vajrayana or Tantra, which at the core of it is that you use every part of your life um, as a kind of a leverage towards enlightenment or you're always practicing so when you're eating you're you're uh, showing gratitude towards the beings that may have given their life or the people that grew the food the people prepared the food as a way and you're offering this uh to the uh, enlightenment in this very lifetime of all sentient beings right so everything is a magical practice that you're trying to uh approach with the this goal in mind of uh, reaching towards enlightenment and uh, bearing in mind developing compassion towards all sentient beings um, so when you're going through these periods of magical chastity I think a lot of people think of sex magic um, as like chaos magicians kind of uh, jerking off onto a sigil because they need the rent next month or uh, people having some big uh, a great right uh, having sex with another person in terms of uh, like a magical transmission or again because you're envisioning something in the material world that you want to manifest um so but when you're going through these uh, periods where you're having this inspired sexual magic i'm guessing uh, or i may be assuming which could be very dangerous <laughs> that you are uh going more towards like a personal alchemy um, and viewing magic as a way of transforming your own um, uh, personal self and you're uh, activating your spiritual uh, path and qualities. Yes, and of my partner. Uh, exactly. Uh, Thank you. Yes. discourage yes. that. Yes. Crowley was a uh, misogynist big time. I think we discussed yeah. that, the gluten thing, which I think okay. is hilarious by today's standards, because half yes, of our is... foods say gluten-free, which uh, I thought, well, it used to be health foods were mostly, they, they said, <laughs> it's gluten, it's gluten, it was wonderful, and now it's, it's all Gluten-free and GMO, and any of my friends who are vegan, I apologize profoundly. I, I will commit well, to was, in due course. But, there you uh, go. <laughs> he thought, well, Crowley was talking about, this is his word for, uh, he was talking about uh, female uh, during uh, sexual excitement, the uh, vagina will secrete uh, lubrication, uh, what my husband charmingly calls girl jizz. <laughs> But Crowley called it gluten. Are you <laughs> confessing to being a spurter? That's no, I'm. I'm. No, I'm not. Uh, Actually, but, uh, 
Wow. <laughs> Both male and female secretions do have a magical power because, after all, they create human beings. Exactly. They're they're both the the source of, in a sense, the Big Bang was one big orgasm and the whole universe came into being. And and then on the seventh day, he rested. Or she rested. Or they They both rested. (laughs) So... I, I, I don't discount the uh, importance of fluids. In fact, um, mm-hmm. uh, I've done some talismanic magic where I've done exactly what you said, but it was not for, uh, I can only think of one instance, and I've tended to be poor all my life, and I had a job that was grindingly bad, and <laughs> I tried to move up in the company using with consent with my partner, uh, sexual magic to an mm-hmm. unlikely thing, be hired to do something that I had utterly no idea how to do. And we did this thing that I call scrying in the flesh for about two months. And mm-hmm. I kept seeing my boss's face when I had orgasm, mm-hmm. uh, saying, you're hired at $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I'm sitting on the curb after a 12-hour day of back-breaking work. This is when I was about 40, but I was really buff during that period, or I couldn't even manage that. And one of my bosses uh, sees me slumped over at the bus stop, and he stops his Lincoln or Cadillac, I don't remember which, and said, Hey, Alan! And I thought, aha, that's a definite <laughs> not. Alan, I'm afraid we're going to have to let you go. You <laughs> only handled 100 pounds of boxes when you came down that ladder at 107 degrees in the warehouse. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's, that's not exaggeration. There's even no. a, there's a story that is a sorry comment on how anti-Semitic the world is because the bosses, uh, in fact, they were from this neighborhood. They were from the same neighborhood I was raised in. Uh, we're Jewish. And the art supply business, you're either gay or Jewish. It's just the way it is. I mean, the, the nature of the beast, they're mostly gone now, been bought out by the, uh, um, the Blake. Blake and Michaels. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, I worked for the local ones, and they had a lot of gay people that would work for them for less than they would make elsewhere because they were tolerant of it. They were tolerant of it. Anyway, but so their employees were almost all Gentile. I was not. I'm Jewish and have been Jewish all my life. I mean, I've been involved in Reform Judaism since birth, really. Mm-hmm. Well, when they whacked up, never mind. It's not. <laughs> Congratulations. Today you are a Jew. <laughs> I don't get to say it. But, uh, <laughs> That's okay. I, this is one of the most I unique shows I've ever done. <laughs> why it is that uncut seems to be a feature because that's relatively gross to me. But that's neither here nor there. Hey, guys, if you don't want it cut, don't cut it. Uh, but where was I before I, I got off on... No, do continue. <laughs> well, I, 
so, well, so did your uh, did your scribe first of all? Okay, so this procedure that you were uh, procedure a <laughs> purchasing agent on the mm-hmm. spot, down mm-hmm. from your house into the air conditioned office, and my comment sitting there was probably not the right thing to say, but I said I have no idea what a purchasing agent does. And my father was a, a big businessman, and I knew that there were there were these people called buyers, and that that was the same mm-hmm. purchasing agent. That's all I knew about it. I didn't know anything about it. And he said, "It doesn't matter, business, <laughs> business." And I thought, "Well, it worked." And then, so, Alan, how did you do it? Me. Oh, how did you do it? Get yourself uh, one of those rare copies. Go to uh, eBay Books, or I've mm-hmm. seen now and again on those rare book sites at ridiculous prices, but not as ridiculous as like my uh, Complete Right of Memphis. When that was out of print, it went to, from the twenty dollars to like three hundred and fifty dollars, of which I got zero zero dollars uh, because out of print, you you don't get resistance mm-hmm. for that. Um, there are a lot of things you don't get residuals for. But in any case, um, I have no idea what I was saying. I'm having a senior moment. That's fine. Well, I have, I'm have. i having a question for you. So how... You know the technique. Part, yeah, what, what's the technique for uh, scrying in the flesh as you performed it? Okay, let's, let's see how I can put this. Uh, my partner was... Uh, that was the person I got into the ancient order of antiquity over. So she was, uh, actually was the first person that I consecrated to the uh, episcopate in, uh, after Bertio consecrated me or had me elected or whatever you want to call it. Uh, elected, not erected. I, there is a scandalous <laughs> a guy that calls himself Frater Barabbas, and I've looked on his site and he said, well, the only way you get anything from Bertio is to take it up the, you know, and that's just not true. I found Bertio to be a total gentleman and whatever was, now I met him when he was older, so maybe when he was younger he had other requirements, but everybody I've sent to him has, nobody has, has felt uh, put upon in any sense of the word. In fact, uh, I had one guy that I called Bertio and I said, please don't make him a bishop. He's a crazy guy. Please, please don't. Not only to make him, but the girl he took with him, he made her a bishop too. So it's just, you know, he, he was not taking my uh, inferior advice and he is, in my opinion, the greatest living magician. He's pushing 90 now, I think. <laughs> and uh, People should mine whatever they can from him. He's a complicated person. But anyway, um, so the technique that we used was, and this was my design altogether. Okay. Um, And I should say, I don't think this would have been effective if I was a recreational user of marijuana. I'm not opposed to any drugs. Uh, legally speaking, I think it's there are some that are unwise to use. There are probably every single one has some consequences if you use it uh, prodigiously. But uh, prodigious, prodigious. I just met a girl named Prodigious. <laughs> so. Um, 
And suddenly I found, I, I do much too much singing. That's my father's influence. Two things I learned from my father. One was singing spontaneously, whether you have the voice for it or not. And the other was yelling uh, Yiddish uh, uh, profanities out the window of, of his Lincoln as he was driving 120 miles an hour and a Volkswagen passed us. You Germans are so I, I, my total knowledge of, I, I, I'm fluent in Hebrew, but my knowledge of Yiddish consists of the expletives, all of them. Yeah. Even the ones that aren't in the Yiddish can be fun. It's become a thing, TV announcers uh, are dropping Yiddish words into their dialogue. Fiddler on the Roof is now being done in Yiddish, uh, but uh, I only know those words which should not be spoken. Um, so what we did was, because I was not a recreational user and every experience I ever had, one was at an Aerosmith concert, which I wasn't there for Aerosmith. I was there for Joan Jett, who was the secondary act. I used to follow her very closely. In fact, I met her, um, I mean, socially, but... Uh, um, we both got, we, we sat in a full lotus opposite each other, nude, mm -hmm. and the instruction was to get very, very stoned. And it wasn't that uncommon for her, but it was very uncommon for me. And we had some little ritual thing we were doing there too. And then we would adjourn to the conveniently located right to our left to the bed and <laughs> conveniently <laughs> well it was her bedroom uh, conveniently located uh, should I start queuing up porn music here in the background I'm just kind of curious yeah no no Roger because I haven't as I described it you can go <gasps> <laughs> so I have a technical question are you guys doing like uh, eye gazing are you trying to synchronize your breathing at this point are you visualizing each other's light bodies yes yes and yes but also okay. to keep in mind the object which was to get me out of that hot box warehouse and into a job that was on most unlikely. I mean, I was very skeptical, but I was also very desperate because yeah. I needed the money from the job. Uh, a lot depended on that. And nevertheless, it was, I mean, my chiropractor at that time said, you're just going to have to learn to live with back pain for the rest of your life. Not true. When I moved from upstairs to downstairs, it went away. Yeah, amazingly. Yeah. And uh, my chiropractor was a really good chiropractor to first year uh, graduate of the uh, whatever that uh, College of Chiropractic is here, as a result of which there are 40 million chiropractors unemployed in the city of Atlanta because they, they've stayed here. And the truth is that this is, you know, this is where they got life chiropractic. That's what, what they're called. So he was very good, but he was wrong because it was occupational and it, and it went away like within, I, I don't think it was even days, first day on the job and uh, being a purchasing agent, <laughs> wondering what, fortunately there was another purchasing agent who told me what to do. <laughs> well, it seems to me like this is a very effective ritual because you know, you got the job, you got the tutor, the back pain resolved. So it was 
highly effective, you know? Yes, and not trivial. What I was asking for was, yeah, you could argue big. that it was for me, but it was not something of a trivial nature. I mean, yeah. uh, but in any case, so we adjourned to the bed, and her instruction was, and I don't mean I was dictating to her, I mean, this was what we agreed to, was while I was stoned, she would not allow me to go to sleep, but given the nature of the situation, she was to slowly masturbate me for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And when I finally orgasmed, she was to move away from me and to recite the priestess part from that uh, ritual that they pull people into the great order of antiquity. And meanwhile, I was to do scrying I, the first two or three times I had these interesting experiences. One is I found myself in the body of a patient of a uh, South American um, shaman mm-hmm. who was doing a healing, a sexual healing on whoever I, whoever's body I was in. And I had this moment where he caught my eyes, not the eyes of the person that he was working on, and I caught his, and it was mm-hmm. like, he knew, and I knew, and I knew that he knew. So I thought, yep, well, I this it. is yep. working, but he's not going to get me a job. He works in the jungle. He's going <laughs> to probably sell me some ayahuasca or something, but in any case, I got out of that. But the third or fourth time we did this, mm-hmm. I saw my boss's face just hovering in the air. I had no illusions that it was actually him, but it was a tulpa of him. It was a, a projection of him. It was the bug will manifest. And he said, Alan, I hire you for $50,000 a year. And then what happened was I got the most unlikely series of events. I'm up balancing these big boxes of turf board or something on a ladder, hoping I fell. I was that desperate in the job. Okay, yeah. so I come down the ladder and as I'm, I'm balancing these boxes and coming down the ladder, this mean spirited guy who he was kind of mysterious too. In fact, he was even suspected in one of the. Uh, unseemly murders that took place in Atlanta, and you'll see why in a moment. Uh, but he was had a dual Israeli-American citizenship. He showed me his passports and had a history of being with uh, one of the underground newspapers in the late 1960s or 70s. He said, so, Alan, I hear you're a Kohen. That's a hereditary priest in the Jewish. Doesn't mean anything to foreign Jews, but he was ultra, ultra, ultra orthodox. And he said, you know, we are going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And I thought, yeah, and probably, <laughs> and we're going to need priests. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm available. And the next thing I know, sure. he's gone to the boss, unlikely. <laughs> Because he was there mainly to fire people. He first offered to fire this uh, woman that was uh, a salesperson. I said, I can't be a salesperson. I don't drive. 
And salespeople have to, you know, go around to businesses and say, hey, buy our paper, don't buy Michael's paper, you know, whatever. So the next thing I know is he's whispered in the boss's ear, and the boss has the idea that business is business. You don't have to know anything. And voila, within days, I got the job. And uh, But I had by then, of course, I got to liking doing the ritual, and finally my uh, partner said, enough is enough. (laughs) (laughs) I want some action, too. Uh, That's not what she said, but that's what she did. And so, but it worked. It worked very well, and uh, there are simpler things that you can do, but that was scrying in the flesh. Now, I find that... um Interesting. Now, okay, so when you had these visions, were they coming in uh, right at the moment of orgasm, or were you kind of having them at kind of like the, the pre-orgasmic phase? Pre-orgasmic. When I See, now, orgasm, a lot of people, it birthed it. She had some, I don't remember what it was exactly. I wished I had the, could look in the book, but because uh, it's been a lot of years. I mean, this was 1980s, and that was a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, when you were but a but a little girl running around thinking about whatever little girls think about. I, don't <laughs> I was I was a senior I was a senior in high school, and I was thinking about how I had just spent a year almost dying <laughs> from being really sick. Um, yeah, so that was weird. But yeah, because I think a lot of people, um, and you know, there's good reason for it. it there's a lot of focus on the moment of orgasm during sex magic, but there's this whole kind of uh, state, a kind of pre-orgasm that you can really drag out. Um, where you're deliberately. Exactly. We can have a very, very heightened uh, sexual arousal, which can kind of kick you into these uh, very expanded, altered states of consciousness. And you can have these things like scrying, astral travel, out-of-body experiences, trance work. You can uh, channel uh, goddesses or gods or become possessed by entities. And then your partner can interact with them. But so I would encourage people to, when you're thinking about these things, to not neglect this, uh, you know, that state of heightened arousal um, and the energy that's generated that you can use to fuel these um, very intense altered states of consciousness. Absolutely. We call the, the orgasmic phase, which was lengthy. We had read a book called ESO, Extended Sexual Orgasm, the object of yep. which... Again, that was a 70s book, so it's kind of... I remember it. Yeah. (laughs) I know what you were doing in the 80s. (laughs) You were doing what I was doing with my mother's trashy books. She, if it was unexpurgated first American edition, I read the story of, oh, she she, she left these books around. We had a very liberal household. Oh, all of Henry Miller's novels. I can quote the the first sentence of uh, Tropic of Cancer. Paris is like a whore. That is the first. <laughs> it kind of reaches out and grabs you, you know. I mean, it, and I, I was actually I was actually studying anthropology, which is kind of a, a lot of the same material, but from a different angle. <laughs> when I was in high school, the big thing was a book called Candy by Terry Southern, where this uh, hapless young lady uh, gets in all of these. 
situation. Yeah. There was a movie made out of it. Uh, oh, you know what candy is, huh? My mom had the Kama Sutra laying around the house, so, yeah. I No, the Kama Sutra, this is interesting. I mentioned I'm just adding something to the conversation because I'm completely blown away right now. <laughs> I watched the use of the word blown in this context, but uh, <laughs> that's a different form of sharing. But, and I was um, worried about making dick jokes. Okay, keep, keep going. <laughs> Penis is a very funny word. When you think about it, it's... uh, But that's not important right now. What is... What is important is that that we agreed. I mean, none of this was done blindly. We were both very magically experienced. We even toyed with the idea of doing this for the whole lodge, which they would have loved. And... uh, we got one guy that was a trusted friend to film us doing this ritual, and at the end of it, I said, Weirdsley, what's his name, erased the film. We can't do this for the lodge, because I felt utterly uh, embarrassed by the whole thing. But uh, Yeah, it's uh, very much internal. There's a big difference. That's the thing with it. That gets me about porn because people think, well, there's all this porn out there, so sex, everyone knows everything about it, but it's an internal experience, right? When some people are exhibitionists, but then the whole idea about porn is to create an image that's going to arouse other people. It doesn't have to do necessarily with what the actors enjoying themselves or anything. Well, they have to have a certain degree of, at least the guys do, to have to, I mean, but they, I I don't know. I'm I'm not against porn. Yeah, it's not the whole story. Particularly right now, when we're all in confined circumstances, I understand that the porn industry has uh, taken off as a that's a bad term, too. Never mind. It's not important. Exploded. I, I, it's exploded, yes. It's it's exploding right now. <laughs> Probably so. Uh, and I hope we're we're not headed in that direction. But, uh, but be that as it may, um, I have done simple rituals for... Uh, I, no, I, I wandered away from a point that you were, uh, just to reinforce what you were saying, we deliberately made this a prolonged uh, arousal in order for the arousal to be used by me to scry. The orgasm we called earthing it, and because we had been yes. influenced by ESO, they were, well, it's hard to say because I was really stoned. And had a panic attack afterwards, I must say. But uh, oh. Uh, oh no! <laughs> well, you know, there's a price for everything. But um, it's true that 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 goes with the territory. But uh, and I was prepared for that because I'm prone to that anyway, um, and don't like being out of control, which is one reason I don't do drugs. Um, not out of prudishness about it, but just I don't like the feeling. I like being in control, but. In that particular state, the only control I had was the will to do the ritual. And because it was all decided in advance, I didn't have to be thinking. 
thought was not even possible for me, given that the level of arousal and the uh, level of being stoned. It was yep. just, you know, I could only do what, well, earthing it, the idea was that I would find whatever. I didn't have any particular expectations, certainly not that boss saying, you're hired for $50,000 a year, which, by the way, the job was not quite that high, but it was still a lot better than schlepping boxes in a hot warehouse. Um, But um, um, so the ESO preparation made it, though I I believe, the longest orgasms I've ever had. And as a result of that, I think the earthing it of the vision, visionary experience, because in a lot of the sessions, probably six or eight total, I would try to grab an object and give it to, I almost said my priestess, but I think that would be appropriate. Uh, yes, yes. And that, that was, in fact, part of the process of earthing it. And, yes. you know, and that was, we didn't, you know, do any talismans or anything. We just, you know, went on from there. But I think that was a very, very powerful ritual. And by the way, I've never shared that. I've shared it in the book, but, you know, that was for the high initiates. I've never shared that on any radio, TV, whatever. I'd like to share it on ancient aliens to, and see how the History <laughs> Channel edited it completely out. <laughs> and he said, come to the restroom with me. I want to show you a German trick. And I said, no, uh, I want to show you a Jewish trick as I beat him to the balls. No, it didn't happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he said, I met Werner von Braun and switched to somebody else. I mean, that's what they told to me on that. <laughs> it's a pretty bad, it's kind of a bad show, I think. The I am so excited about Helger is it doesn't do any of the nonsense that ancient aliens, UFO hunters, ghost hunters, and uh, what was that other one? Decoded. Brad Meltzer's Decoded. Oh, God, take your pick. Any of them. Just turn on the History Channel and say what this show does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After doing Decoded, I, it happened that my uh, son and daughter-in-law were living in, my eldest son and daughter-in-law were living in New York for a while because he's a screenwriter, which is, this is a rough time for screenwriters because no, nothing is in production. Yeah. He had a a major movie that was going into production was two days from him flying to Toronto to be it, and they, they shut down. But he was the writer, and the writer gets paid in advance. So, <laughs> Smart boy. <laughs> I, I still hope they'll make the film. It's uh, He's a Lovecraftian, and he makes very spooky movies. Ooh, is fun? Is, well, I can't tell you on the air what it's about, but it's very spooky. <laughs> So I hope it gets made. I've read the script. It's really, really scary. (laughs) But you know, you were talking about Hellier. And one of the things that I really like about Hellier and I think is applicable to sex magic is 
the interplay of the of the people that are involved in the whole journey that they're taking. You could tell that they have a lot of affection for one another, um, that they respect one another. They uh, are non-hierarchical. They work things out in a group. They're flexible. They all bring uh, various skills and experiences um, to the group. They are open to trying new things. What's been kind of fun for me is to watch um, oh, when they do the ritual in the cave is to watch Dana managing this whole, th- you know, writing it and, and managing this whole thing. And it's apparent that this is a new experience for her. And to see, I, uh, in, when I was younger, I, I uh, dated a woman who was, um, uh, Caucasian, uh, but she was trained as a Native American, uh, North American shaman. So she'd run like sweat lodges every month and do pipe ceremonies and stuff. Um, and so I would help her in all this and um, during the time that we were involved. And it's funny because she was like a real hard ass. <laughs> she was just like, you do it this way. And she was like, real. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to see Dana kind of feeling her way through some of this. But I really just think that that gets to the essence of magic and um, a type of uh, ritual or magical relationship that you can have with other people where it's explicitly erotic or not. Um, that can be a beneficial where you have this, this affection and support and respect and communication. And that was the thing that for Hellier that, that I enjoyed the most about all of that. To me, it's that the whole thing is a ritual. And if you watch it, if you watch it from start to finish, season one, season two, people reporting to me all over the place that they are experiencing synchronicities or similar experiences that are guiding them. So I I have told the Newkirks and anyone who will listen to me that, uh, and I must say it has been very kind to me. A lot more people are listening to me now than, you know, I, the first edition of Secret Cipher was published in 1995. It was from Illuminate Press, which was my first big break as an author. And, I mean, I had written a lot of you know, uh, articles, but that was the first book that I had published. And uh, I expected that it would have a big influence. It did not then. It sold out, but it did not. And then I got pressure from the, the high leader of the ancient order of antiquity not to do any more UFO books because I had lost a Grand Lodge office over it as he was uh, playing his demo tape with uh, Psychic TV in his car where I was a captive audience. And I thought, what's wrong with this picture? I can't see everything. <laughs> but we're passing uh, this uh, canyon wall in North Georgia on the way back to Atlanta because I talked him into doing an initiation that I was not then qualified, mm-hmm. well, not then allowed to do. And uh, oh, uh-huh. he used the occasion to harangue me for the second time on not publishing the sequel book, which I made the mistake of mentioning to him, which I didn't do for 10 years. And 10 years later, I did. Uh, I got out uh, Secret Rituals of the Men in Black, which are now combined in the complete, the complete secret cipher of the euphemism. So it's a twofer now. 
but uh, I, I put it off for 10 years because I was really trying to go through the system of the ancient order of antiquity until I got in the upper degrees. And when I got in the upper degrees, I discovered what's wrong with this picture? Some of the people that are in the higher degrees don't know nearly as much as people coming in at the bottom, uh, walking in the door. So there's something clearly very wrong here. And the people at the top are giving the orders, but some of them, most of them, are, I don't know, veggies. Their, their, uh, their day jobs are working in a cubicle type things, most of them. Not all, but most of them, if that. I mean, they're marginalized people. So, uh, you know, my respect for, for the hierarchy was long gone. And, uh, but I was still in at that time. And then I decided to hell with it. I'm publishing the book. It's going to have a long section that is a footnote. But it was like a page and a half footnote directed to that guy who had basically threatened me out of publishing it. And it's there. I understand the current edition has, you know, that, that material in it. And, uh, it's something that the people who are hierarchical should see because it basically says, do you really think that the occult is more respectable than ufology? Do you know anything <laughs> about polling? I mean, both are somewhat fringe, but the fact is that ufology is credited by about half of the population of the of the United States, according to mm -hmm. Gap, whereas the occult is generally considered to be satanic and awful and mean-spirited by the vast majority of people. So, fuck them. <laughs> in some... <laughs> I, did, I didn't say that in the book. But speaking of girl-girl relation, relationships, pardon me, woman-woman, uh, does it matter? I mean, you know, girl means youthful. I wish somebody would call me boy, you know, hey. <laughs> really? <laughs> I gotta guard you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, um, when I got involved with QBLH, which is not an initiatory group and it doesn't really have any kind of um, hierarchy or certainly not any, it, it uh, uh, was at that time run by a dirty old man by the name of W.W. Webb. And oh. yeah, Bill Webb. Uh, also, W.W.W. was just that was, I got involved in that when just when the internet was becoming a thing. So the fact that That's he was WWF <laughs> uh, was hilarious. But he has very novel ideas. He was uh, affiliated with Kenneth Grant, but he had his own take on things. At one time, the Great Order of Antiquity thought that he was their. Uh, the founder of their lineage of the episcopate. And then they found out that he was never an episcopal. In fact, he's anti-episcopal. So they changed their whole thing. Oh, we, we only, uh, we only trace ourselves to Crowley because he's new eon and they're all old. Uh, 
when you don't have it, you got to say something. So that's what they did. But in any case, Bill Webb had some really novel ideas, and one of his addressed something that Crowley never addressed, which is uh, he called it the the one eleven. Uh, formula, which is God between two women, and he urged me in our little local group to uh, encourage the female members to uh, experiment with that. And of course, that that doesn't reduce to gluten. It reduces to passion that exists between women. And uh, Crowley would say, well, that's just getting off. It's not, you know, because that because mm-hmm. what can you do with just two glutinous people? <laughs> I guess, <laughs> but you can do it. You can do astonishing magic, as I found out. I was secondary there, but uh, uh, wife number three was a lesbian, so uh, which was a complicated relationship. So I, uh, you're an I, open-minded guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I lived in the QBLH Babylon house, everybody else there was either my girlfriend at the time or the other guy who took the girlfriend away from me, who is now dead, Joel Love, a Kabbalist. And the rest, I couldn't decide whether I was living in a house with after Joel got kicked out of the house along with my girlfriend. Um, I couldn't decide whether... I was living with five guys or whether I was the only guy there and there were five women there because they were all uh, in in transition. Uh, and uh, among them, the, the genius that invented lexicon, um, uh, uh, my second wife's second husband. It's really very incestuous sounding, but these additives. <laughs> we need a flow chart. So for a year after after I moved out, I had pronoun dysphoria, which is my own term, because I kept calling he's she and she's he, because I was, the whole time I lived there, if I missed a pronoun, God help me. Uh, you clocked me. No, I don't even know what that means, but let me put it this way. But anyway, so Webb's idea proved to be, in practice, a very, very potent system of magic. It was particularly potent, I think, with uh, women who were not lifetime dedicated, uh, you know, um, or inclined, maybe that's a better term, uh, lesbians, but uh, who were willing to experiment with uh, woman-on-woman sex magic, and it produced the same kind of result you get from man-woman sex magic. So... Uh, in fact, it's almost identical, but it's got its own ambiance. So, you know, Crowley was wrong, as he often was. Yeah, I think that a lot of it has to do with um, just the chemistry uh, between two people. And, you know, there's just the whole idea behind sex as a strategy on here on planet Earth or living beings is that you just mix everything up and see what happens. And there 
we have an idea here in uh, you know America at this particular time in history uh, that there's this, this binary uh, male uh, versus woman. Um, but if you look in the natural world, I mean, there's some animals and species that you know they have like 18 different genders and they mix it up all the different bunch of different ways or there's uh ones that well you know you start out they start out as male and then one turns into female or vice versa they reabsorb each other there's lizards that can either reproduce sexually or uh maybe they're just tired of men they can do parthenogenesis and reproduce completely on their own so there's like a billion different strategies. So to me, it seems just sort short-sighted and kind of ignorant to think that, well, you can only have this big old manly man and this little girly girl and they got to, you know, if you're going to be doing ritual magic, I say, you know, be creative with it. That's the whole idea behind sex is that you're, you know, it's always trying to come up with something new. It may not always work, um, but that is the basic uh, principle behind sex is just new, 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 trying different combinations. So I, I think ritually and magically, you know, why not? And not only not, why not? I think that, I mean, you, you shouldn't have to do like that thing that I was pressured into. You shouldn't have to do something yes. that you personally don't find arousing. But the process of arousal being harnessed for magical purposes, with love or with uh, with just just plain passion, but directed for for magical energy produces magical results more so than I think just about anything else that I can think of. So, if it uh, in my generation the expression was if it moves, fondle it. <laughs> um. Uh. <laughs> Listen, uh. Times have changed. Any listeners? That's not really <laughs> what we recommend. This case, no, I'm going to take a drink now. <laughs> well, if it moves in your direction and says "fondle me," I just, but I mean, it was never understood yeah. to be non non consensual. I uh, yeah, I was not in the weather underground, despite the fact that some people think that I was. But they. Um, I was very fond of them and was an overground supporter, and uh, mm. they they were very free about changing partners, and uh, mm. they um, that was mutually agreed to. And as long as they were around, they were doing, by my lights, important things uh, that were non-sexual, but were also experimenting with communal lifestyles and also with. Uh, if not sexual magic, then magical sex. Yeah. That is, it was forever new. And that can be done in a monogamous relationship, I think. I don't know if it can be done for life. It certainly hasn't proven, proven true with me. But uh, <laughs> not, not all my fault, I should say. Uh, in fact, mm -hmm. not my fault. But um, um, for the purposes of uh, energizing the enthusiasm, which is Crowley's term. Uh, I think that a variety of things are capable of doing it and knowing yourself and knowing your own variety of, of things, if you have a consenting partner, can always be very, very 
useful for magical purposes, particularly if you've done the preliminaries, like um, um, sitting meditation for a long time, which is a prerequisite as far as I'm concerned. Because yeah. if you don't have that yogic focus, it, it, you're just going to descend into the uh, the animal passion, and there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. It's designed by millions of years of evolution to uh, produce what it produces. Uh, nevertheless, it is not the only thing that sexuality is about. As I said, I regard the Big Bang as the cosmic orgasm. So that gets reproduced in microcosmic reality just as it is the source of what we consider macrocosmic reality. Yeah. So um, I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking it would be a good time to wrap it up. And I'm also, of course, thinking that I, I want to uh, pick your brain about a lot of other things. Pardon? Nothing. <laughs> I made Alan cry. I feel terrible. Um, but I don't know, Rojan, what you want to say. But Alan, I really, I can't thank you enough for um, agreeing to uh, speak with us and to share what you did because it it speaks to me a lot of um, you know your personal stories of some of the things that can, you know, go wrong or be unfortunate or be just, you know, nasty things that happen around this, but also the really incredible experiences that, um, you know, you can participate in with a partner and, and, um, you know, they could be very magical and wild and passionate and uh, amazing. So I just, I really thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, I think I was concerned the first half we were talking about the negative stuff, which doesn't get talked about and needed to. But yeah. I think we just sort of uh, segue to the positive experiences, and, uh, and those are truly, truly magical. And people need to know that there are both sides of it, and those that abuse it are really profaning the temple, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes. I wanted to thank you for for being honest and blunt and and saying a lot of these things that that you've never said before. Um, it, it's you know right. It, it's, and I want to tell you, I, I I you're you're I can't see you, <laughs> but I hear you, and you've kept me honest because I know that you're there, Lord, and as long as you're there. <laughs> I exercise due restraint and keep myself on the straight. I see you. Stop touching yourself. This is God. Just clean up your mess and don't use a sock. Carry on. God in the Jewish tower? Okay. <laughs> no, but thank you for I coming on here. I call it the lightning tower, which tarot people find amusing. <laughs> Since I live here, I don't. Uh, no, really. Thank you very much for coming on here and doing this. This is this has probably been one of the, the craziest shows that I've ever done on here um, in terms of content, frankness, and at points hilarity of it. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I would I would like to do this again sometime. Uh, Stephanie's got more questions to pick your brains with, I'm sure, and uh, I have a feeling that we could go on for another hour. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, 
I could talk a lot more about my own experiences, and I'd be glad to, to you know to hear what Stephanie has to share because it's been me, me doing a talk fest. Oh, that's I, fine. Uh, I, I love that kind of stuff she, here. That was the idea. Yeah. I believe it was one of your programs. Yeah, that was uh, absolutely that the idea. Uh, a while back, and I think that uh, that was really good. So exchange of ideas is always welcome, and there are not that many people that talk about this stuff. There are people that try to do it, but there are not that many people that are willing to well, discuss. They have uh, the equivalent of 70s amnesia. We try to go in a different directions here. We try to go. We try to take past less traveled as much as we possibly can with a lot of these topics. So, it, I mean, even though it is an unusual show for us, the idea of the content and what we're talking about behind it really isn't that unusual for us. As, as long as we're going fresh places at, with things that haven't been talked about in, in depth before. So, you know, I'm, I, I've been completely fine with this. But um, we are going on an hour and a half now, so I'm going to let you go, Alan. And thank you very much for coming on here and talking with us about this. It's it's been a lot of fun. It's again, it's been probably the craziest show I think I've ever done on here. But I'm okay with that. So. Uh, <laughs> Where can people find you? If you have books out there that people want to buy or they want to find you on the Internet or where do people go to purchase your stuff? Well, since I've been on the Internet forever, um, I mean, almost since it was the ARPANET, uh, you just Google my name, but spell it right because there are other. It's A-L-L-E-N-G-R-E-E-N-F-I-E-L-D or much more important, my two current books, which are both doing very well from different publishers. Uh, one is The Com a Complete Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, which I'm hoping people will buy and use. And so far, thanks largely to uh, to the Newkirks and to Hellier and to spinoffs from that, uh, because I have been invited to do a lot of things. It is selling like hotcakes, so it must be speaking to a lot of people. And the other book, which I think the title scares people off, is God Never Does the Same Thing Twice, which is something that Rabbi Nachman of Bratislav said in the uh, 18th century in his short but really, really uh, mystical life. And uh, the book is not about God and about doing things. It's about General Patton meeting the golem in Prague during the latter days of World War II. It's, it also has a thing about the disciples eating Jesus, but I won't say any more about that. Um, that's the complete secret type for the euthanauts from Paranoia Press and from Blue Star Press, which if you've seen Hellier is very significant, uh, with the blue balloon that crossed their path. Um, um, God never does the same thing twice from Blue Star Press. Well, plug and plug. Thank you for Do being you want here. Me to stay on for a minute. Yeah, after I have to. Yeah, after we're done here. But um, thank you again thank for coming you, out. Stephanie. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, for me too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Have fun.
Hold on. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done a show quite like that ever before. And I was the one worried about making dick and fart jokes and <laughs> and and being like immature and overly sexualized. I'm like, I'm gonna approach this as as, you know, a legit and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be, you know, the good the good guy here and I'm gonna be mature about this because this is a mature topic and this is mature subject matter. No, no, not at all. I didn't I didn't need to do a damn thing. I just sat here and drank my glass of mead with the microphone on mute with this constant look of wow on my face going <laughs> What the hell is going on right now? Alan's great. Great guy. I mean, yep. even even after you walked away, he was still going. He he was just singing. He kept singing Who Let the Dogs Out was the song going. I'm like, okay, I got to go. I really did not want to let the guy go. I really did not. I mean, I, I would love to party with that dude, okay? I, I just want to yep. sit down and just be like, let him go. And I, I could just, like, I would probably eat a weed brownie and just sit there and laugh my ass off at that guy. He's, well, you can, let's see, let's see from the, you can see how he ended up with is married to so many different people and even getting like a lesbian to marry him and having 8 million girlfriends because he's very charming and he shows you a good time, right? And it's just yeah, like, you know, I just, I mean, if you look at the old pictures of him, he looks like, what was the, what was the, the, the guy with the glasses? He passed away. Ivan Reitman. He looks like Ivan Reitman. He, an old, kind old of, yeah. older pictures yeah. of him look like that. So, and I've heard him on other interviews and I was, I was really happy that he told us stuff that he's never talked about before. Anytime somebody does that and they discuss things on the show that they've never talked about, especially of that kind of a personal nature, because oh, yeah. he was really getting out there and he was, you know, he, that, that was something that was really cool. I didn't want to interrupt the guy, and I didn't, you know, like the whole, more, normally I'm far more active in interviews. Um, but you guys were just flowing so well, and you guys were in your groove that I didn't want to interrupt or anything. But sometimes he just throws these crazy left turns into the conversation, and I'm sitting here, and my, 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 my jaw's just, I'm, right now, I'm having a hard time enunciating it. I'm just like, wow. This is, we've never done anything like this ever before, ever, at any point ever in our show. And I'm wondering, like, because my listeners aren't used to hearing content like this. We cover some weird shit. We cover some funny shit. We cover some stupid shit. We've never gone into this territory ever before. So, well, such- thank, thank you, because the thing is, is that... Uh, like when people, uh, you know, you brought up Hellier, which I think is, you know, it's very well done. It's very enjoyable to watch. At the same time I'm watching, I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's, that's nice. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's good. But, you know, I, like in the, the 80s and the 90s, you know, I'm going to all these different meditation groups where, you know, in the San Francisco Bay Area, Northern California, which is like ground zero for everything weird. You get yeah. all these people together doing all these rituals and running around in groups and just like going for it. And well, free love, lo- you know, all that. Well, and then all this ritual stuff and a lot of weird stuff happens. And so I'm always thinking, okay, when are people going to get to the weird stuff? So I was really excited that to talk with Alan because I thought, you know, and I was really, uh, I don't want to say, like honored basically that he would choose to speak about this, you know, with us um, because it's, you know, some of the stuff he talked about was really tough. I mean, it's horrible when you're in a, a group working with people very closely, you're meditating with them. It's incredibly intimate physically and energetically. And then, you know, to have like assault or these type of horrible abuses go on, it's, it's horrible. And to be there to see, you know? to see it, 
to be yes and yes. trying to stay out of it and you know like I and can then see- people come to you and they're yeah it's yeah it's an awful experience um but then as well for him to share um that ritual that he did and the results that he got and exactly how he he uh went about that ritual and um yeah it was just fantastic and you know this is the type of stuff that for me i'm very curious about because um you know i've had a lot of weird experiences of that nature and then you know when i've been speaking out more about sex magic people contact me and they have these experiences of um you know they'll have like a dead lover or a husband uh wife that they still have an erotic connection with even yeah, though this person really go into has, that in this yeah so that was well, we'll have to scared. talk about it more but yeah so these people do have these very uh according to largest society, very kind of weird taboo experiences that really no one talks about. Um, so I think it makes it a lot harder to process them. Um, and then if you're getting involved with groups, it's a lot better to have your eyes open about the type of things that can happen. Um, so you're more on your guard. I was super paranoid when I went to uh, go live up at that uh, meditation center, but I think it served me well. Mm-hmm. Um because I was able to get a lot out of it. Because the other thing is that he's very explicit about working with other people, which he's done a lot of, and how to work with other people. Um, And uh, there's a lot of solitary practitioners, um, but there's just things that you can't learn, I think, or other than working with other people very intimately in whatever way that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was just, I, I was really excited. I'm just really grateful to Alan for uh, sharing with us and being so frank and, and honest and just a blast, too, because he's always so fun. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, he, that's one of the other reasons I didn't talk, because the guy, is, he gives me the impression, he's like, you just put a wind-up thing in his back, wind him up, and just let him go. Yeah. And kind of say, okay, Alan, talk about this subject. And just let him go, and he can do it. And every once in a while, you just got to nudge him and keep him going and push him into a different direction. So, And that was kind of why I was glad that we, we wrapped it up where we did, because the whole thing had gone full circle. You know, we covered, like mm-hmm. you said, we covered the negatives, and then we go around to covering the positives. So this mm-hmm. is how you don't do it. This is how you do it. Do it. This is how my personal experiences are. These are my bad experiences. These are my good experiences. So we kind of mm-hmm. covered the full road in there as to what we were, you know, trying to get across, or what you were trying to get across, I think. Um, so yeah, I'll put this down as a win. It's a very unusual show for us though. It's definitely one that I've never done quite anything like before, but then again, I knew what I was getting into. I just didn't know where it was going to go. I wasn't sure what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting this. So yeah, (laughs) let's do this again sometime. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm completely up for it. And, uh, yeah, that was, it's funny what you said to, because I did a lot of preparation and I've just been, uh, you know, very interested in researching sex magic, especially the past couple of years. And, but still, like you said, I had, it was like this whole thing of the unknown because I, I didn't know what Alan was going to be uh, saying or revealing. So that's really great. I really thank you, you for being a host. Mm-hmm. Sure. You, you're very fascinated with this topic. Is there a specific reason why you gravitate towards this topic than anything else? Are, are you a practitioner of this or what about this chimes to you? Well, I've had a, a lot of, from the time I was small, I had, I mean, like five or six, I had uh, 
people that were a lot older than me, like a grown man or teenagers interested in me sexually. So, uh, and I've always had a lot of interest from people and animals. No, <laughs> everyone gets interest from dogs. But um, so that I was always handling this type of energy. And I, I have always found that um, uh, it's very easy to access altered states of consciousness uh, during sex, um, especially sex with a partner. Um, and then I was uh, had more explicitly erotic and paranormal experiences when I was in my early 30s. Start, I was around a lot of people who were practicing. I was around some adepts. Um, and the skeeviness that happened with with the llama trying to get all these ladies to sleep with them mm-hmm. and some of the other stuff I saw, it just really it got up my ass <laughs> because I was like, why can't you have a woman or, you know, a young person who is a sincere seeker, you know, why can't they pursue this without being, uh, having, being predated upon, right? Mm-hmm. So, when you take sex involved with it, you're going to have, you're going to have this stuff. So you, it's buyer beware, you know, check, exactly. check the purchase out before you buy into it. So, yeah. so I've always been very interested in finding out more about how these things go on and, but then also, how people can have type of information that will give them a better background for pursuing these type of um, forms of knowledge and practice in a way that is, you know, uplifting so that, you know, people can, because I mean, we're all sexual beings. And so we all have to make our peace with sex and relationships with the outside world one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't like the idea that someone outside of you is going to give you this bit by bit and you can't see where you're going to be going until you're already there. Well, it's, yes, it's it's typical manipulation. It's just in a different form, but he brought up a valid point. Like when he was talking to those people, he's like, well, if you want to do this, there, there's places you can go. There's, you can do, there's places you can go to do this. There's people that are willing to do this. You don't need to be skeevy about it, but exactly. If that's the case, then why do we still have the problem with cults and stuff that we do? You know, it's, it's a power of power. Yeah. It's the power power. thing. It's more, it's more than just the sex. It's the power over top of people. And the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm duping these people. I'm getting what I, what I want. And, you know, I'm controlling them in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. So, anyways, let's wrap this up because we've been going for quite some time now. Um, If people want to find you or listen to your shows or watch your shows or wherever, how how do people get in touch with what you do? Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. It's uh, at Wandering Bridges. Um, My blog is called Ghost Dog is a Mystery Box. It is a WordPress blog, but it's like stephaniequick.home.com, I think, is the URL. Um, so those are like the main platforms where you can find me. If you go to my blog, you should be able to get to most other places. And my email is there, too, if you want to uh, talk to me privately about anything or uh, give me any your reports of ghost sex or other weird uh, experiences with the discarnate entities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, but I just want to thank you again for hosting this. Cause, oh, this um, is no problem at all. No problem at all. As long as we're doing interesting different topics that are going into other directions, I'm fine with it. And we definitely accomplished that tonight. Um, 
I, I don't. I, I don't think I could have done this on my own. I would not have begun to approach the vistas that we climbed tonight <laughs> on my own. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is fun, and we will do this again at some point or another because you're very easy to have on. Plus, any show where I can sit back and be a lazy ass and not really have to do anything other than just produce audio, I'm down with. And. Um, I will say for the record that I've polished off about a glass and a half of high alcohol meat tonight, so the buzz is beginning to set in, and thank God that I had it for this show. <laughs> thank you so much for being on here, Stephanie. Um, I guess we'll just close it out here, and um, I, I always close out with the show with This is Roge and Peace Out from Detroit. You can say whatever you want, however. Um, uh, now I'm tongue-tied. Uh, and we're everyone- done. <laughs> Everyone have a great uh, evening and uh, treat each other well. Take care, folks.
so many different people to be.